And welcome to episode 364 of the Sound Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again by my ever more phenomenal co host, Peter. That's right, Kurt. It is the, <laughs> the take five edition of the cast. Though we Minus totally we didn't just lose 31 minutes of fucking gold edition of the podcast. Oh boy. We fucking, it's, it's, we threw it down the toilet. Um, cause. I don't know. This this the I'm angry at audacity version of the cast. Um, it it wanted to change its settings on me. It set up the it gave me a, a sting operation. <laughs> it attacked me in the middle of the night, and uh, and stole my audio. It, so it we're cut gonna my audio out from my nose. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what we rambled about to open the show. So we're just gonna go straight in the tray wash. <laughs> I think we were talking about gamer jelly beans, um, which aren't a thing. They could be. They aren't a thing. Uh, I also discussed a food product that Kurt... Now Kurt is the only one who will know what that is. You and that's the, for the betterment of mankind, you I assure you. Kurt is cursed with the knowledge of that food combination. I will, I will, I will, I will sacrifice myself to protect the rest of humanity like Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And the other part of that bargain was again that we lost a hot portion of tray uh, tray watch, which honestly, uh, in context of of this week, I think we could actually get away with because holy crap, there are so many trailers this week. There are quite a few trailers. Um, so we are going to do a quick rundown of the ones we were talking about. We'll, um, we'll hit all the we'll hit all the hits again. Yeah, uh, here we go. Current Peter Player hits Wish uh, for the first time in possibly ever. Disney is copying DreamWorks. That's right. Um, they are. They're just coming right off of the uh, of Puss in Boots, which I think will turn out to be the better movie. Um, surprise, surprise. Yeah, um, this looks pretty painfully generic and kind of not not loving the art style. Looks like a Photoshop or yeah, a Photoshop like filter to make. Mm-hmm of 3d image look hand drawn looks like yeah make it look like a a, a picture which uh kind of factors in to the ongoing uh goings on where the, all the visual effects and cgi budgets are in the crapper yeah um they're they're working on fucking duct tape and and breadcrumbs here well it's not that the budgets are low it's that the studios are overburdened the effects houses yeah yeah they the <laughs> The budget is willing, but the the man hours are spongy and bruised. Galen um, <laughs> Tudyk is a goat. Um, they really said that. What if wishes had feelings? Yeah, uh, and this is and the hundredth anniversary movie for Disney, so we've we've come a long way from Snow White to Wish. <laughs> oh, I just thought of this. So, um, dicks to donuts. That. The fucking climactic song of this movie is going to be "When You Wish Upon a Star." Um, yeah, that's. I mean, it's got to be right. That's almost yeah. That's, that's what that's, this whole movie is about. Okay, that's that's a layup. Yeah, this is a one and a half hour setup to that song. Got it. Downloaded. Uh, alrighty, oh. 
We're going to move on to the next goal. Next goal wins. Um, Taika Waititi returning to a movie that is definitely in his wheelhouse. It's Cool Runnings, but with soccer. Right. It's also a yearly installment of heartwarming sports movie. Yes, like any good FIFA or Madden or franchise, you got to have that annual installment. Yes. It will um, be the same as last year's version. <laughs> Just with a new coat of paint. <laughs> it's the Taika Waititi edition. That is that has been, has been his thing, at least as of late. Um, at least on a couple projects, is like coming into. It's like we want to do another one, but make it different. Yeah. Let's get Taika on this. Um, that being said, it's a lot more of a like a, a you know kissing cousins to uh, what we do in the shadows. It's much less fantastical, which I think is an, a realm that he operates better in. Yeah, and it's not like as serious a subject matter as Jojo Rabbit was. Yeah, so um, it 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 fits his skill set quite you won't, quite well. The pendulum is not going to swing as hard side to side there. <laughs> um. So from there, we went to the Flash, um, yeah. and we talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Like how the trailer looks better, the beginning of the trailer looks better as a Batman Beyond movie trailer, which, which it's it's you got to do it. It's time. James Gunn, um, you know, go for it. I will even accept Timothy Chalamet as Toby, Terry McGinnis if if I have to, if I must, if I must yeah. accept a French man. Playing Terrence fucking McGinnis <laughs> with the most <laughs> Irish Terrence. name ever put on television. Terrence <laughs> McGinnis. Um, yeah. Uh, we, so we kind of, we quick outlined the entire plot of this movie because um, it, it, you can kind of see it through this trailer for sure. Um, again, we lamented the some of the shots uh, took took those casualties of the uh, the burnout. The VFX and, burnout. And I uh and Flash's suit looks <laughs> right flat. You you heard a left shark, but now you get to hear about right flash. How do you feel about right flash? Um Yeah. That's it's it it's it's like Blue Tista. <laughs> um which I now realize that maybe no one who listens to this will understand that reference. But um I am very and and listen to my words now cautiously heavy emphasis on cautiously optimistic about this movie because i want to be hype i really want to get excited for it but there's a part of my brain that harkens back to a much younger far less brittle version of myself uh being super hyped up for batman versus superman uh, thinking there's no way that that movie can can suck, right? Um, but then, then it did. And then he Zack Snyder did. <laughs> Which, I mean, he re- I think he, he hit the redemption on uh, Justice League there. Um, as Did he? You know, I say, fair enough. I didn't actually see the Snyder cut. You must have, because we did it on the show. I didn't. I I could swear that you did. I I did not. Wa- I never watched the Snyder cut. 
I don't know about that, but we'll, we'll put a pin in it. Um, I mean, it was much better than the theatrical cut um, of Justice League, uh, but mm-hmm. kind of by the scattershot method where there's just so much in the movie that some of it was bound to be good, but there's still a lot of crap in the movie. And the movie, like, I, I don't think the Snyder Cut is very good as as a movie. <laughs> Okay, yeah, again, I have no recollection of ever talking about it. It wouldn't be the first time that that's, that's you totally ter- done I'm, something and have no memory of the situation. I'm from another universe, Kurt. I'm from, from the mirror dimension. You're from the uh, dimension where you hit record. <laughs> exactly. I have this nice little red triangle over my record icon now, which I looked up quick and I'm told is not a problem. Uh, the waveform is appearing, so I, I think we're in, we're in good straits. I played it back before we before we got going, and it seems to be you know the sound comes back. So, yeah. <laughs> um, got it. I got strange. I see the little thing that says yeah yeah strange ways of life. Um, <laughs> Pedro Pascal, uh, Ethan Hawke gonna rock it this movie looks like you yeah you you said it best kurt um, yeah it's it's satan's alley from tropic thunder uh meets poe's law we don't know if it's being sincere or not yeah so like it's tackling a very serious like oscar nominated in the past subject matter because it it's bar bars heavily from like the themes and undertones of brokeback mountain mm-hmm. but it's like presented like it's a fucking telenovela yeah with the the even lighting and the shot composition and framing yeah of your um of your telemundo <laughs> of your three o'clock telemundo stories um yeah so it's i mean it's a style i haven't seen in a the theater before and, um it's just coming out in theaters <laughs> i i have to imagine U.S. release date, 2023. Thanks, Rotten Tomatoes trailers. So glad you you took over movie clips trailers. Yep. It's definitely um, not gone downhill since. I mean, it's a Sony trailers classic, and I don't know if Sony... I feel like they would release this one to theaters. Yeah. But really, um, who knows? Yeah, I'm kind of interested in this. Uh, if not just out of voracious curiosity about what this movie is is intended to be yeah i'm we're gonna it's like walking into the fucking mystery booth at a carnival you say someone's outside the barker's outside come see the five-headed chicken like well i gotta it costs a nickel well i gotta go see that i mean it probably doesn't have five heads but I gotta know. <laughs> I want to know how they're how they're gonna pull this one off. <laughs> um, and that so that that was previously <laughs> previously on Saturn Studs. Now to the uh, other four five trailers. Also previously on Saturn Studs, uh, we reviewed the trailer for the movie Becky. Um, who who here had on their twenty twenty three bingo card? that that movie was going to get a sequel. 
the I one where did. Kevin James shaves his head and plays a neo-Nazi. <laughs> yeah, fucking until you said it, uh, I didn't even realize that this was a sequel. I thought that was just like a backstory. I heard someone saying something about like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a sequel or whatever. I was like, well, that doesn't make sense because I totally forgot about Becky. Yeah. And here we are again. Um, I, I don't, I don't believe in it. It was the less memorable. See, I, I can understand you not remembering Becky because it came on the heels of the fanatic which we actually yes. watched and all agree is the greatest movie ever made. Yeah. Um, like John Citizen... Travolta plays the role of a lifetime. Like, honestly, best performance of his career. Face off, bump that. <laughs> Grease, get out Bump of that. <laughs> I need, I need big, big John Travolta losing his hair, getting fat. Losing. He was calling himself Moose, saying yeah. Poppycock. <laughs> like the only the only thing that can can match that, the only peer to that performance is him in the T Mobile commercial. So my girlfriend has an interesting theory about that commercial. She okay. thinks that they uh like rotoscoped in his face onto a body double. I I think that's him. Like he, I think. I think just, so too. I think it. He just doesn't look great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like he he's gonna look like that. Like he good enough, you know. Like he goes because he goes to the gym at like three a.m. all the time. <laughs> yeah, to pick up dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's lifting weights when he's picking up these dudes. <laughs> yeah, but like who who said you know. JT, <laughs> as his friends call J- him, <laughs> J Trav. Um, we're gonna put you with. Uh, remember those guys from that show, Scrubs. <laughs> we're gonna put you with both of them, and you're gonna do a T-Mobile commercial, and you're gonna parody Grease. Like, was that? I feel like that was a failed Super Bowl ad concept. <laughs> Maybe it did air at the Super Bowl. No, it certainly didn't. It was okay. it's it's in the past like month or so, maybe two months that it's it's become become formed and tangible. It's been spawned, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, this is basically like what if John Wick was super bloody and had a had a little girl as girl. a protagonist. And um, it was less visually interesting. Yeah, I Good on good on uh the people behind these movies to go from I think Redbox exclusive to uh two theaters with your next picture. Um yeah. best of luck. I don't think you're gonna make a lot of money. Um but you probably didn't spend a lot to make the movie, so yeah, might not be a problem as, for you. Yeah, you'll be fine as long as it's not people running around the woods for an hour. They will be. I. I. They are running around in the woods, but it's I, about how much time they're going to be there. So I have bad news for you, Peter. I'm pretty sure that they didn't like budget. Oh no. Any many sets, if any sets, and just shot in the woods for like ninety percent. This is going to be like one of those many terrible straight to VHS 
action movies you see on Best of the Worst, where it's just people in the yep. woods pretending to fight poorly for <laughs> I'm trying for to sixty who minutes. They, who they always put that on? Who the uh, director is that they always blame for that one, for that kind of movie? I but don't. It's not coming to me. So maybe I'll maybe we'll just all watch Red uh, Red Letter Media some more. Yeah. Just patronize them. Um. Speak. Yeah, I'm wondering uh, where you're going with that. I don't even know that. where to where to um transition to. We'll go to robots. We'll just do robots. <laughs> I like this. I like this as a premise. I've been saying I've been saying for a long time that we need new premises in our rom com situations. So the robot clones run breaking up with their human uh, counterparts. I think is a good move forward for our rom com culture. Um. I actually missed this one, so I'm I'm gonna watch it and give you my opinion on it in a bit here. Yes. Uh, so from what okay. Kurt's watching while he's watching it, I'll just kind of set out the premise here. So, uh, the future where we all have robot robo doubles, um, to to people who want their robots to do everything for them, and like matched on tinder but don't actually want to go on a date they both send their robot doubles to meet each other the robots fall in love and decide that they're going to go elope and the the human couple faced with the fact of they're gonna lose their robot maids um have to try and break up the robo wedding and let me guess they fall in love along the way who could even who could even tell? Who they, oh, who knows? <laughs> um, like I said, like this is this is what I mean. Like you, you can still write the same rom com shit. It's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But like this is how you you put the the salt and the pepper and then like the zest of lime. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's it's something, right? It's and you get to do robot comedy. I love robot comedy. Yeah. And like Slim, that's my favorite movie. It's not, it's not bad. Um, yeah, I I guess I don't really have a strong opinion on it one way or another. It's not a movie I'm likely to watch. Um, it's from one of the writers of Borat, yeah. which is, is interesting because it's a very different humor from Borat. It's a very scripted film, yeah much more than trying to get that found footage type deal. So I don't quite know why they put that together. Maybe it was just the only writer of note and they wanted to get some. Yeah, probably. It's thing. like, oh yeah, you, you you worked on Borat, right? We can put that in the trailer. Yeah. Um. So again, I'm also not likely to watch this. Um, but, you know, I, I'm glad they're taking the step and I hope this gets a good audience. I think putting... Put in creative a little more than the base creative effort, even just a little bit. I think that needs to be rewarded. So I'm I'm rooting for this. I can I can uh, I can appreciate that sentiment. I don't know that I necessarily. uh, Well, I guess this particular scenario is somewhat novel. There have been similar scenarios in the past, but I don't know about specifically robots involved in a rom-com before ropins in love ropins in love baby um because uh, otherwise you'll just make the equalizer three 
Okay. I really thought that the transition to Transformers was, was right there for you, but you took it a different direction. Save it. We are <laughs> saving that one for last. I okay. To... I'm making the exact I'm making the audible right here. That's gonna be the big, big one. Um the equal Whatever you say, Boo Boo. Even more equal. Um this time he's in Italy and fights the actual mafia. He fights the Italian mafia because the Russian mafia was already covered. So, um, I don't know anyone who's seen either Equalizer movie. I know people have seen them because I was watching the NFL draft a couple of years ago and they were interviewing one of the prospective players about what his favorite movie was. And he, honest to God, said The Equalizer. Yeah, um, so it's it's a movie people like. I know this. People have seen it. Um, people are aware of its existence. And uh, <laughs> I guess that's enough for three of them. There's also yeah. a spinoff TV show with Queen Latifah in it, uh, which, which kind of makes me a little surprised even that they would make The Equalizer 3 uh, while that show's out. And cause even more audience confusion amongst the the target age group that watches CBS. So those between the ages of fifty six and eighty two. <laughs> they're not quite. This is they're the ones that go before they move into Fox News. Um, my first, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the thumbnail, and Denzel Washington looks. He's giving me the face that looks like James Gandolfini. <laughs> From the fucking Sopranos, he looks like he looks like Tony Soprano. I'm I'm starting to think it's just his face now. Um, well, no, actually, a couple of these shots have him emoting, but in um, a lot of what I've seen of Denzel Washington recently, he just looks completely disinterested to be in a movie. <laughs> he did. I mean, he did Macbeth. Um, He's like, I don't need to make, I don't need to do any more art. I did the, <laughs> the, the really, I did Shakespeare. <laughs> I did Shakespeare in the theater. <laughs> eh, who cares anymore? I'm just going to go make money. Yeah, right. it's old go man action game. movie. It's like every old man action movie. Um, yeah, There's just, I'm sure if you, if you're a Denzel Washington fan, and you you like to see him kicking ass, and this movie's right up your alley. The Denzel Denizens. I'm sure uh, if you liked the first two, uh, you probably are gonna gonna be all right with this one. Um, other than that, I got nothing for you. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the haunting in Venice. It's that a ghost like a in Venice. But it's actually going to be a person because it's. A, I guess this is apparently an Agatha Christie murder mystery, a Christie mystery, Christistory. Oh. Uh, so is it another Hercule Poirot movie? I not. I don't think so. Um, because I think they would they would throw him out uh, front and center for sure. Yeah. Um. So, but they don't. So I don't think it is. Um, sure. The murder mystery movie is is going strong as its own little uh, pocket genre in this time. 
Michelle Yeoh getting some work. Yep. You'll love to see it. And Oh, there. so it is it's directed by Kenneth uh Branagh. Uh, who, who's directed um, Oregon Express and Death on the Nile and plays Mr. Perot in the movies. Um, so I guess he just, maybe he bought the film rights to Agatha's Christie's like complete works and he's going to milk that dry. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's it's some kind of thing like that where they just said, you know, you're the you're the guy to do it. Maybe they're just in the public domain at this point. Um, so they said, just here, keep doing it, and you'll make some baseline. You'll keep the the murder mystery accounts. Just keep paying that off, and we'll have it's it's solid money. It's it's a oh, stable income. I I was just I didn't actually watch this trailer. Um, so I've been pulling from my ass, but uh, at a minute twenty eight. Right there is Hercule Poirot. So yes, oh, it is another oh, fuck me. Oh, okay. Hercule Poirot movie. Um, I guess I missed that one. And um, yeah, well, he's 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 right in there. <laughs> he's he's got. Maybe I can't. I've he's Kurt, he's in this trailer for like ten seconds. Blindness. I'm losing all my mental faculties today, Kurt. <laughs> I'm gonna. It's like it's like watching fucking. Uh, um, oh no. <laughs> I was gonna say, what's the album about the old guy who loses his mind? Um, everywhere at the end of time, or something like that. You got um, me. Yeah, me at a disadvantage. It's the, yeah, it's that like six-hour series of albums uh, that's supposed to represent what it's like to to go through Alzheimer's and and uh, get dementia. Um, I'm sure that was a bestseller. Uh, absolutely. Um, Speaking of know. actual bestseller, probably uh, the Hunger Games, <laughs> the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Hey, Hunger Games, I'm still, I'm still full. full. Um, yeah, I I was just coming to the realization a few like a month ago at this point how long it had been since the Hunger Games, like the book, had been written, and uh, then I looked at how long ago the movie was made they didn't waste a lot of time making the film adaptation so it's also been a while and i was like oh god it's been that long and then you know inevitably in my head i i, I began to dread something <laughs> with hunger games was going to come out and i guess this is a prequel um right, because a lot of angry that's another the first hunger games they they say that mm -hmm. i think yeah or it's the 10th but it's the, this is also its own mini genre going on right now, which is prequels to uh, movie or book movie adaptations. Because you have obviously the the obvious other one I can think of is Rings of Power, but also there's House of the Dragon. Um, so this is in kind of that same vein, that same space, or like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. <laughs> this is right. We take the the classic book to movie adaptation. Um, thing and we're like all right where do we go from here oh a prequel book let's do that one too um <laughs> so this is that and i don't know there's a there's a girl and she likes a boy and she's gonna i feel like she's gonna inherit the power of snakes <laughs> are you are you aware of the power of snakes <laughs> no i'm not aware of the power of snakes no no sorry that 
That's our answer. Oh, what a Are you aware of the power of snakes? It's on the board. It's on the board. <laughs> um, yeah. That's the real Hunger Games. That's it's a giant game of family feud. I would I would very much appreciate um like an anti Donna Hunger Games sketch. I think that that could be good. Um They would absolutely nail it. Yeah. And then I guess to conclude <laughs> I'm going to conclude. At I mean, the behest about, of... Like, I guess there was an extended Little Mermaid trailer, but like, I don't know. The only thing I have to comment on about that is that they're using the special effects from Aquaman. Like, it looks like James Wan is directing this, even though I don't think he is. It just mm. has that uh, aesthetic over it. And it's going to be it's gonna be like um, uh, Black Panther 2. Uh, where all the underwater scenes are just illegibly dark. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Aquaman did a, l- a much better job than Black Panther 2 in terms of being able to see stuff. It was dark. It was also very green. Yes. I remember that. Yes. Um, I mean, there's that, that iconic scene in Aquaman where he's, he's jumping into the, the <laughs> sea and there's like all the fishmen like, coming yeah. out to fight him or whatever. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I see the this thumbnail where it's like, it's a a Cephalid casting the gate against a merfolk wizard. <laughs> uh, he really tapped that one in a blue. It is. It's just. It's a. It's a spell being countered. What can I say? That that is. I think that is the only time that those two things, those two ideas, will be connected. In the history of humanity. And I'm the one to do it. You've, um, you've witnessed history, folks. Speaking of things connecting that shouldn't, um, it is Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Good God, um, another one. <laughs> fuck the canon. Um, because, so, it's, from what I understand, I don't know if they if a comic has changed this or if it's a new continuity, right, with these properties stuff moves around but when beast wars originally came out my understanding was that they the beast the beast transformers were like a million years in the future i did not have peter going in on transformers lore on my expectations for this episode but this is the one thing this is this is all i got left it's the one it's the one peanut flying around in my cranium right now. Um, was it like yeah, like the beast guys were in like Optimus Prime and Earth humanity had died out. Humanity <laughs> was all gone and it was a million years later and it was a new type of transformer that had evolved from the old type. Um I so do remember them- that show. Um Transformers Beast Wars. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was. That's what I was talking about. Um, original release nineteen ninety six. Interesting. Um, and it was it was nineteen ninety six fully CG. It's a computer animated television series that debuted in nineteen ninety six. It ran for three seasons. Good for it. Um, yeah. all right. So, Setting and plot two main uh, descendants of the two main. Fa- yeah. So the maximal. This is far flung future. 
because they are yeah. descendants from the Autobots and Decepticons. Yes. So they are changing that now to them being on Earth longer than the uh, Autobots. And they're also throwing out the original movies where they landed on Earth in like 2007 or something. Yeah, 2009 or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, they've been here that, since the 90s. But I, did, I feel like they... Even they since sp- Bumblebee, right? Yeah, that, they that spat on that thing. notion in Bumblebee. Uh, but that could have conceivably worked because I think Bumblebee was a scout for the Autobots. Um, and, you know, he, he obviously had been on Earth. Um, I will say this. I I feel like I haven't paid too much attention to these movies. Oh, God, paying no. attention to this one. And they look less, you know, the, the Michael Bay is behind us. These look more like action figures than they do like a mass of gears and pistons and uh, mechanical mishmash. Yeah, there there is a a honestly pretty pretty solid chance that the Transformers movies actually became watchable after Michael Bay was no longer involved in the franchise. And I'm just a hater, but I I don't know that I can take that chance. <laughs> since since our world was Mandela affected when we saw Transformers five um I still have no recollection of what so, Transformers 4 is. Okay, yes. <laughs> I was like, okay, which Transformers is this? And I look, and in the hashtags, they have uh, tra- hashtag Transformers, hashtag Transformers Rise of the Beast, and hashtag Transformers 7. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's Transformers 7, baby. Um, fuck. They're just, they're still making these. But I have to i have to shout this out because Jake, uh, this is the Jake mandate. He's on the road right now. He's uh, hes driving out there alone in his own Autobot. Um, that's the only, re- the only way I can justify him having a Lexus SUV. It's secretly an Autobot. Um, he wants us to shout out Ultron. Hey, guys. He actually celebrate. wants us to shout out Unicron. That's what um, I meant. Unicron is the main antagonist of this. Um, interesting choice. Monster. Interesting choice to go with the uh, planet scale foe. Um, but I guess at a certain. It's been seven movies, so they gotta yeah. Pull I guess it out now. I guess you got to pull it out now. Because um, if not now, then fucking when. But also, like the the notion that the military would not have like had extensive knowledge of transformers at the time of the first movie when fucking the planet sized transformer threatened to gobble the planet a mere like what was i i was 15 in 2009 so yeah 15 years ago (laughs) (laughs) um this is your this is your reminder that in the transformers movie the og in the 80s 89 i think um ultron eats cybertron and thousands and thousands of unicron people. eats cybertron unicron eats cybertron <laughs> i don't know why that one's just not it's not sticking i maybe i think of unicorn he's a big unicorn bot when i saw when i saw the text originally i looked at it fast and my mind auto corrected it to unicorn and i was like <laughs> what the fuck is he on about the unicorn bot but yeah, no, Unicron eats Cybertron and like 
that. Yeah, that is that not the Autobots? Invites for them going to Earth. <laughs> um, I don't think in in the movie they like go around the galaxy trying to search for a, a solution to to beat like uh, to beat Unicron, and it's like a whole thing. Oh, are we talking about the the nineteen eighty four animated movie? Yes. Yeah, okay. The yes. One where Optimus fucking dies in the first battle. Wait, no, no, that's not the right one then, because. Optimus and uh, Hot Rod like fused together into Rodimus <coughs> Prime. Yeah, <laughs> I thought yeah, it was that's hot. That movie. That's that movie. Okay, all right. I I don't remember him dying. <laughs> you need to watch it so you can know the universal greeting. If you're on an alien world, you can say this greeting to any alien, and you'll know if they if they respond. That means they're your friends. And it's a uh, weep grana weep ninibog. <laughs> You have seen that movie far more recently or far more many times than I have. I have seen it only in clips, and yet <laughs> I've amassed this knowledge. I watched it once when I rented it from Hollywood Video. Yes, I am. I rented the Transformers movie from Hollywood Video years old. Thank you for asking. Um, we may have to, we may, you know, if there's an off week, I think we should watch that movie. <laughs> so I can say that I actually watched it instead of just like. <laughs> sure sure next one it's just you and me we'll do that <laughs> absolutely and we'll dare dare to be all your dreams alive. exactly um i i do love that song i remember that song much more than i remember that movie uh and that with that that is trailers yeah baby so many trailers that still took us a half an hour even after like speed running for well, those well it took us 11 minutes to speed run before so good christ um with that it, yeah that it did horrible, take half an hour that horrible time behind us <laughs> yeah let's talk about forward. the the follow-up here um Let's take a look at our box office winners and losers for the weekend of April 21st through the 23rd. Um, hanging on to the top spot uh, by a pretty convincing margin. The Super yeah. Mario Bros. movie. I don't think it's going to go anywhere for a while. It of the $895 million worldwide gross... Um, how you feel about that take, Peter? <laughs> it's, yeah. No, no, I, I'll get to live through the whole thing. Um, cause I, I you know, I'm going to switch it up. All right. So we're going to go the other end here. Oh, he's running the end around. <laughs> we're running the end around and we're going to say 20 weeks. 20 uh, weeks? 15 weeks. We're at three weeks now. Um, like fifteen weeks in theaters, in general. In theaters. Before oh yeah, it like there will before it there... leaves the uh, top ten. Oh, before it leaves top ten, no, no, I think it'll be out sooner than that. Really? Yeah, it's it's at fifty nine million now. We have summer movie season coming up hot. You're going to be getting hit hot and heavy with major tentpole releases 
from studios will take out their tent poles and beat you half to death with them. I guess you know what? If that happens too, that'll I guess that'll make it even more insane because that means that it made like you know there are movies that have that long like Top Gun, right? It had that whole fucking span. Yeah, just it hang it hung out forever and it made a lot of money that way. But this one like just that whole spike where everyone in America saw it. We saw it and we're done. Like it'll be it'll have. I'm I'm sure it will have a um like twelve plus week theatrical run where it hangs around in like a thousand theaters for a while, um. But it's not going to spend that whole time in the top ten. I I can't I can't imagine it'll have a nice run in the top ten. Maybe maybe like eight or ten weeks. But well, I'm gonna you know what for the. For the content, I'm gonna stick to 15, so I can be heinously wrong twice. Hey, you know I've <laughs> I've had I I still have to own my take, and you know probably the the spiciest and wrongest take in the history of the show that the Switch was going to be a massive flop, and Nintendo would would maybe consider exiting hardware manufacturing. That was. Yeah, the timeline could have switched there. We could have been could have been living a whole other world. Yeah. Um, we could have could have been living in the the world where the evil dead rise. Uh in number two, Warner Brothers. Um, yeah, this is a steep drop, kids. Um, um 20- I th- think that's a pretty good number for it, honestly. Oh. For sure, um, it's I just in contrast to Mario Bros. Well, it's it's a rated R horror movie. It's like by necessity, like fewer people can view it. <laughs> that is also true worldwide. Um, pulling in at forty eight and a half million. Yeah, um, um, pretty nice. I don't know how the uh, the last one did the twenty thirteen Evil Dead reboot. Um. Yeah. I I didn't I didn't care for it um personally. But and like I'm not really interested in this one. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't know if um I don't know how how if there's, if other the people o, the OG crew how much the OG crew is still involved. They're, they I think they're all producers on it. And I I'm not sure if that's vanity credits or they actually like have some weight to throw around on on like how things are done, mm-hmm. but uh, they're all credited on the movies. They were credited on the 2013 movie and and this one, but it it just Ash is the Evil Dead man. Like, yeah, it doesn't work without him. You need him as as the foil, even in like the first Evil Dead. You know where it was more of like a straight horror movie, and honestly, like. The comedy in Evil Dead 2 is pretty limited as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I think it gets me. Like, how did Evil Dead become a franchise? Like, I'm not, I guess I'm not asking that literally, but like, of all the things to start franchising out, like, that's kind of, it's just wild to me that uh, that's the one that kind of ended up walking out of the gauntlet. Well, I, in some ways, 
I can kind of agree with you, but in other ways, like I mean, it was it was very destined to be a cult classic movie. Yeah, I mean, I I don't even disagree with that. It's like, but then again, how many cult classics become franchises? Well, so here here's how the timeline of that sort of thing works. Uh, director who made said cult classic. Uh, gets opportunities to work on other and bigger movies. Um, that director has success, and then the studio says, okay, what do you want to make? And he says, I want to make a sequel to the first movie I ever made because I kind of want to get it right. And so horribly wrong, Kurt. He says, I want to make Crime Wave. I know Crime Wave was not, no, actually Crime Wave no, he, was no one not, to make Crime Wave. Yeah. Was not the stu- not the studio... Uh, saying what do you want to make <laughs> it was yeah, him trying to make opposite, yeah. something wacky um but you know he it still made enough money for uh him to get another shot at directing and he he did well for himself and so they they gave him the ability to make evil dead 2 and uh it made a good amount of money um and then years later they wanted to do another one <laughs> And they had more money to work with yet still. So they are out came Army of Darkness. And then when home video and DVD sales kind of became a thing, more and more people watched a larger Probably audience. However many special editions they could pump out. Yeah, people were hungry for more. And so after Burr Notice wrapped up, Bruce Campbell was like, okay, sure. Let's 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 see what we got here. And they eventually settle on doing Ash versus the Evil Dead. There's your history lesson, folks. Yeah. Um, which is good. That's more substantial than than even the third. Like, again, we take another big uh, step down for uh, number three here. Uh, the Covenant. Yeah. Uh, coming in in third here with only... Uh, so Evil Dead Rise made twenty four million domestic. This made six million domestic worldwide. Eight million taken in its first week. So um, I think it is kind of important to note that this movie is in about a thousand less theaters than the Evil Dead Rises. Um, That's true. I could I could see where this wouldn't have made maybe as much in a wider release, but I. Mm-hmm. Appears to be doing a little bit better than Operation Fortune did, um, which is a damn like that movie's box office is a fucking crying shame. As is some of like the haters, man. Like it does not have high review scores on like IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes. But I, I just don't see where that movie went. You know what? But Bullet Train was the same way, right? I guess. I don't know. Had very mixed reviews, mm-hmm. uh, but we all it liked like, it. It didn't go over like Baby Driver, but it didn't. It didn't go under like Operation Fortune. Um, yeah, like I don't know. So we we can we can just be an iconoclast, you know. Yeah, you I just mean, have to live with the burden of being right. I uh, it's a burden I I bear every day. Um, as as I often point out on the show, and as you can go back and see, despite me just saying, uh, calling out the worst take I ever made, but that's the worst one, okay? 
I'm usually right. I'm almost always right. And my gut reaction is almost always correct. And history eventually proves me correct. It happened with the other guys. That was another comedy that I really liked when it came out. Was not reviewed well at the time, but has since gone on to become a beloved uh, movie, I guess. I was going to say cult classic, but I wouldn't call it really a cult movie. It's Um, it's become a good piece of the It's a uh, well-regarded comedy now. Mm -hmm. And I called that shit back in 2010, and no one wanted to hear it back then. You know what? I can't speak to that. Uh, What I can speak to is uh, John Wick, Chapter 4, hanging out at number 4 at $371 million for its total take, but uh, $5 million this week. Yeah, so, you know, everything under... (laughs) Everything under third place is making less than five million this week. It's a very top-heavy um, box office, yeah. um, and and pretty small uh, compared to the the past couple of weeks here. I guess uh, you know the Mario is two weeks old at this point, so a lot of people have already seen it, and mm-hmm. I'm sure most of them didn't deem it worthy of a second viewing in theaters. And yeah. I don't remember what opened last week. Pope's Exorcist, Renfield, Bo is Afraid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, not not exactly heavy hitters. Um, And this week, Evil Dead Rise and The Covenant are the two big ones opening. Uh, one's a niche genre movie, and the other is, like, a serious, like, drama. Um, right. And the other two... Just didn't even open in, in fucking the top ten. Yeah, um, like there, there, there's a block of three movies here. That well, they're even... they're limited release movies, so like it makes makes a certain amount oh, of sense. I guess so, um, um, but yeah, like the, my point is, there's not a lot new driving large amounts of people to the theater. Yes. Um, Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves <laughs> brings in five and a half million in its fourth week. Moving up this week, in fact. Yes. Um, by holding fast against the receding tide. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty good week over week retention. Let's see what the worldwide is up to. Uh, One hundred and seventy nine million. So, um, I could conceivably get to one hundred and eighty five million. I don't know if that would be um, like a super success for this movie. It'd be a modest profit. I think this movie had a $150 million budget. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's probably not what you were hoping for, but a $30 million profit is a $30 million profit. Yes. It'll help them, help them to break even here. Um, air. And such. Yeah, air. In six, five point four four eight million. Um, that's holding pretty strong. I'm gonna try to get out to see that at some point. Um, the Pope's Exorcist falls five spots. People really saw it, and they and they saw Gerard Butler. Uh, no, wait, not Gerard Butler. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Yeah. I mean, they do. Uh, they do look very similar at this point in their respective lives. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
they saw him and they were Javert and they said nope I'm good and they all went you know what all the people who would have seen the Pope's exorcist this week went to see Evil Dead Rise I, think that's I mean the, yeah there's the definitely the story here definitely some audience overlap there uh Renfield which I actually did see last week it was fine um not super remarkable uh no vampires kiss references which I found a little bit disappointing uh sorry if that's a spoiler for Renfield um Nick Cage is all right he doesn't get a ton of screen time he's a little underutilized in the movie uh, the movie has an interesting enough concept. It's enjoyable enough schlock piece, but you don't need to go to theaters to see it. And not a lot of people did. Uh, it's down 59.5%, uh, f- sliding from 4th to 8th uh, with $3.25 million, uh, despite opening in three new theaters. Um, don't know who was holding out for Renfield. <laughs> but, you know, the, ca- the cage heads. 19 million dollars um gotta think that's not quite in the black yet <laughs> that that covers mr cage's mr Co- mr coppola's appearance fee <laughs> yeah um and then uh in ninth feature you know essentially starting it's it's release this week because this wasn't the this is the first week after the pilot release um Sorry, in ninth here, Bo is afraid. Um, yeah, with a two million pull, two point eight two million pull um, worldwide. That brings it comes up to three point two eight million. Um, so pretty pretty tight little release there, but it's an A twenty four film, so it's nothing they're not used to. Um, the the three hour Ari Aster special is the focus of our spotlight this week. Yeah, um, Bo is afraid. is reviewing pretty well. Uh, it's got a seven point three on IMDb. A uh, oh, that's not what I wanted to do. Hold on, bear with me just a second, folks. While I get the Rotten Tomatoes back up, um, a seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't have the Metacritic handy, but um, I can imagine that it is similarly in the sevens there we go 62 percent of metacritic so a little bit worse on metacritic uh but fuck all that noise bump that <laughs> we got we you got real reviewers to, you know they really need to be afraid of is real reviewers yeah with real reviewer fears and just unknowable real reviewer needs and desires and, and the best usernames never yeah. have i had better usernames Yes. Then, um, then on this site. So um, that's the wrong one. Uh, we start with um, a review from Oliver Bo of Bo is Afraid. B O, not B E A. I was like, you. He's, he came to review his own movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, warning spoilers. Um, I only read half of it. So, if there are nasty spoilers in here, I do apologize. Uh <clears throat> First time again, 10 out of 10, submitted April 21st, 2023. This film is the closest thing to recreating my nostalgic feelings for the one that got away. The one that got away for me was a girl named Maddie that I was deeply in love with in middle school. Unlike Elaine, Maddie never made me promise to wait for her. 
But the scenes when Bo finally came face to face with Elaine again is every man's fantasy, whether they admit it or not. He was in love with the thought of Elaine. He was in love with the way she furnished. Oh, vanished. Okay. My eyes eyes played some... I was very confused for a minute there. Uh, Check out that wood grain. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) He was in love with the fantasy he made up after their short time together. I tended to do this with Maddie. I would run into her every few years, hoping for it to live up to the fantasy I had created. Each time felt nothing like my dreams, and my dreams felt nothing like the first time. Bo sits in the bathroom and reconsiders having sex with Elaine, not only because of his fear of dying, but because of his fear of losing their fantasy he created, which always existed under perfect circumstances. Reality hardly lives up to the story your mind can create when you convince yourself you need someone. He needed to relive their moment together on the cruise. After all those years, that memory had become something far beyond the realm of real. It had taken for, for of something transcendent. Now each moment after the first will only be capable of invoking a fraction of the fulfillment he needed. The completeness he was desperate for. <laughs> uh, would you believe only one out of four found that helpful? I, I would actually. Um, that's kind of like, that feels like like the most spoiler review where it's almost, it almost horseshoes back around to like, you won't be spoiled on any of it because. Because it's, it's just random nonsense. Yeah. It's a lot of context. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike. Unlike IBZ 1979's one star out of ten review, and I can't just I can't do the angry video game nerd impression, but just imagine in your head as I do this review. I I'd rather lick my cat's litter box or a truck stop toilet. I knew I should have brought beer into the theater. It might have made the three hours go by quicker. I only wish Van Damme or Seagal was still making movies that went to the big screen so I could get even with my friend and drag her to one of those movies for her bringing me to this waste of celluloid. I love the fake highbrow people who praise the movies made by this terrible director. I thought Midsummer was low as Aster could sink, but obviously, just like an alcoholic, his rock bottom knows no bounds. I would rather watch a marathon of the Blood Rain movies. At least I would get some laughs. Five out of 17. What a weird, like, poll there. You're going to dunk on the Blood Rain movies? Like, what a fucking weird thing to to hit on. Like, they the, really they're, they're, they're on, unrelated. Yeah. Like, it's not like Ari Aster, like, directed those or that they're even similar in concept oh bro this guy has he has a fucking profile pic and it's it is it's the backwards ball cap shirtless peck selfie in the bathroom mirror mm. a fucking amazing i'm taking like, that it picture the most, before it is the most bro profile pic i've ever seen there's his there's his user profile but um, it's all just there to like dunk on. He's just doing dunks. He's like, I'm gonna dunk on this movie. Um. um so while Kurt's looking at that, well, I kind of want to see it. I need to know if he's reviewed any of the Blood Rain movies. He is not. Okay, disappointed. She no. should. 
Um, instead, we have Benjamin Schuyler Hill. Thank you for putting your full name on this site. <laughs> um, their four out of ten review. Uh, Mommy issues the movie. Bo is afraid is not a film. It is three hours worth of the well-acted, stunningly presented, garbled ramblings of a very unwell man masquerading as a feature film. Somebody go check on Ari Aster. He needs therapy and a hug. (laughs) The plot, if one can call it that, starts out coherent and promising and quickly abandons any attempt at consistent logic, tone, pacing, or focus. Instead, we get dozens of plot and character threads that are introduced and either abandoned or sloppily concluded for shock value with little to no impact on character, themes, or events. Only one consistent thread remains present throughout the runtime, Mommy Issues. And it's clear that this project was Ari Aster vomiting his psychological maladies (laughs) all over the page and just slapping it on screen as a catharsis exercise. (laughs) I give Aster credit for making something that is truly unlike anything else that exists on film. But there is a line where a filmmaker gets so stuck up his own anus that the finished product is inaccessible, irrelevant, meandering, and non-relatable to anyone else. And Astor crossed that line by several miles (laughs) with this one. Hereditary was a fluke. (laughs) 70 out of 124 found that helpful. Um, I just want to touch back on, on our previous reviewer. Yes. So this man who has the backwards ball cap peck selfie as his IMDB profile picture. So let's keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> had this to say in his review of the 2019 documentary, 100% Julian Edelman. I will just read you the title. Um, 100% overinflated ego, more shirtless slow-mo than Baywatch. Uh, coming from that man. So yes. y'all y'all can marinate on that. Very, the consistency is overwhelming. Well, I read this nine out of ten review from Feast Mode. I feel like we I feel like we've heard from this boy before. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, it's possible, but he had he had this to say in his nine out of ten review. I feel like I just got punched in the face. What do I even say? I don't know. This movie broke my brain. I'm seriously stuck. It's been two hours and my mind is still racing. Like the headline, much of what I say may sound negative, but I mean it in the best possible way. This movie is indescribably weird, outlandish, absurd, and insane. So many times I thought to myself, what am I watching? (laughs) This is a dark comedy. What What am I watching? This is a dark comedy at its finest. It's so messed up. And I was cracking up. Like everything else in this movie, it takes it to the extreme. The directing, cinematography, and music work together to fully hypnotize me. It's so creative and imaginative with so many things I've never seen or could possibly imagine. Bo is Afraid feels like four movies combined into one. That seems like a terrible idea, but each one is amazing. And they all work together. I don't understand how he did it. Ari Aster is clearly way smarter than me. There is There are long scenes of dialogue, but I was fully glued. And there is usually other stuff going on during those scenes. 
like something funny in the background or interesting details in the set design. It made me even more engaged as I tried to catch everything. In an age where so many movies fail to stand out in any way, Bo is Afraid stands out in every way. It's not for the faint of heart. I think some people will hate it, but if you've seen Hereditary or Midsommar, you know what you're in for. It's very different from them, so I don't know what, what that whole comparison was about. But just like those movies, it'll remind you how much a great movie can affect you. Two viewings, early screening, IMAX, 418 2023 IMAX 426 2023 um yeah so i from the context content of this guy's review i feel like he maybe has not consumed a lot of what people would consider to be fine cinema um right as he's impressed that you can be engaged in a movie with heavy dialogue scenes, despite one of the best movies ever made literally being 12 people in a room talking. Who'd have thunk <laughs> that uh, actors can deliver dialogue that's engaging? Yeah. Um, there were other clues there, but uh, nonetheless, Jeff Ad Cox has has cocked up the review scores here with his one out of ten. How many added cocks? Terrible movie. Okay. I'm 59 years old and I have seen literally thousands of movies. But this one is by far the worst movie I've ever seen. There is no plot, no real storyline at all. I can't believe Nathan Lane would be part of this film. It's not even a Nazi movie. 30 minutes in and we're like, should we just go? But no, we hung in there hoping all the craziness would start to make sense, but it never did. This movie didn't have to be three hours long. But it was, and it was painful to watch. I thought that maybe there was a deeper meaning to some of the scenes, but no. Maybe the actors are getting paid by the hour. That's the only reason I can think of for a movie to be this long without making any kind of sense whatsoever. 8 out of 17 found that helpful. Um, Sharp and straight and just fucking right on. But if they were paid by the hour... Why would they only want to have a three-hour movie? <laughs> it's not a lot of hours. <laughs> that's that's real reviewer logic right there. Um, finally, from right on, Daddyo, their six out of ten review, and I want I do want to pre- preface this with I looked on his his thing, and this guy is prolific. He's only been on here for like a year. And he's already reviewed 75 movies. Go get that he's, meat, boy. He went hunting. And some of these titles are fierce. Like, I think I've, I've seen some of these before because, you know, we review these at the same pace as he's writing these. Um, but some gems from here. His, his, the title of his review for John Wick Chapter 4. Attention, potential John Wick Chapter 4 extras. Can you undulate, gyrate, bump, and grind undeterred as a grown man dance and fight of Dance fight in perfect choreographed motions? Apply now. His title for 65. 65. Other related numbers. Late 1990s to early 2000s sci-fi love letter starring the greatest millennial actor earns an eight. <laughs> and uh, and for Babylon here, this film is a six. I think I even did this one. This film is a six. 
It's a lush, vibrant six. It's three plus hours of seat time. And in the end, it's a six. I think, yeah, I think you did. So I guess right on Daddy-O is making the, the second appearance on the show. He'll be right He's up a, there with the Andrew Jackson copypasta guy and Ferguson six in no time. You're, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame, buddy. Um, but this six out of ten review, uh, it's true what they say. You can't go home again. Bo is afraid, and he should be. This is Ari Aster's worst film. <laughs> That's not to say it's bad, but it's, his, but it's his worst. The beginning of the movie starts off with this incredible burst of energy. Bo is this lonely guy taking his prob- talking his problems with a therapist and living in this dumpy apartment in some unnamed large city. But it's also a commentary on societal downfall and policymakers' stupidity. <laughs> It is absolute chaos in the streets. Broad daylight mayhem. It's like idiocracy with extreme violence. And to be ent- and to be honest, it's entertaining as all get out. The first brilliant half hour to hour of this three-hour monstrosity's runtime is when it's running at its full tilt best. The apartment. The mayhem. The message on where society is heading and but fast. <laughs> All of this is well received. Is this the best movie of 2023? Am I witnessing the greatest movie of the 2020s? <laughs> In the first hour or so, you'll be out of your seat and thinking of spots to get this tattooed on your body. <laughs> then we enter the second hour or chapter as it may be. This is where Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan are introduced, and I love them. Absolutely love them, by themselves in other projects, and here together even. Love. <laughs> but this is where Try the Try film... maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's going that way, and I'm, I'm riding it in. <laughs> but this is where the film slows down considerably and gets weird. And not in your typical Aster good weird, but just here just plain sad depressing and nonsensical weird once lane and ryan have played their parts to the fullest in the middle of the film audience members may start wishing there was a good editor making the hard choices in the house at 824 <laughs> in that third and final hour parker posey emerges in what is no less her most stunningly amazing performance of this century she is as gorgeous and incredible as she has ever been though her scenes are short in this literal journey of a tale. Patty Lepon truly takes over from where Posey leaves off and devours the remaining scenery <laughs> in what is definitely her finest performance ever on celluloid. This is the second time a reviewer has talked about celluloid on these reviews today. I don't know what it's about. But uh, the story by the... now has devolved and is way too prolonged, having lost its promise from the first hour so seemingly long ago. The ending is the most kindest in terms of monument. Um, but sorry, let me. But the ending, in the most kindest of terms, is a monumental disappointment. All the great filmmakers in history make a bad film sooner or later. Let's hope this will be Ari's one and only. Bo is afraid, but his movie is too often boring, overly long, and unnecessarily grotesque. 29 out of 45 found that helpful and i wish it were more yeah that was that was very helpful 
He weaves a twisted tail. Probably. I'm not I'm not entirely certain. Um, but uh, Suzume, the movie we think about face-sitting. Yes, that's the that's the chair boy. Right. And, and <laughs> doors in urban exploration areas. I, I believe, as you put it, she's going to put the donk right on the boy. Um, yeah. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> <laughs> drop them fart speakers on, on the boy throne I uh yeah uh down 67.9% 1.6 million um $163 million worldwide cause Japan's fucking weird um so does domestic in this case mean America? Yes. Or does it? Okay. Because okay. this is an American movie box office website. Okay. I just thought domestic, like, oh, it's domestic. It, Japan made it, so that's its home country. It's where, it's, it's where it lives. <laughs> it's where it's addressed. It's where it's from. It's not where it lives. <laughs> <laughs> when they send the check in the mail. <laughs> to Suzume the movie, where do they send it? <laughs> who who gets it? Of course he does. He earned it. <laughs> oh my god! All right, that's the follow up. Yeah. Uh, um, quick shout out to Avatar in fifteenth, um, for being in seven hundred and sixty more theaters this week. Interesting. Uh, they they did like a revival <laughs> or like a a, a quick rerun. It is it is um on on uh demand I think now. Um Okay. I don't think it's on Blu-ray yet. And I don't believe it's on Disney Plus yet either. It's it's one of them you pay twenty dollars to, to own the movie digitally deals. Right. That, I mean you gotta extract the maximum money. Yeah. Whatever remaining hype in your there story is. about corporate greed and profiteering isn't it just just so deliciously ironic? Um, all right, let's talk gaming news here. Yep. Um, Why don't you start I'll, since you were all yeah. fired up about this? I'll start with the very obvious one. Um, so this one is you may have already heard about this. Um, Local man gets gets uh, busted by uh, Corpo Squad for uh, looking at cards. That's a that's a gross it's a gross exaggeration of the headline. But uh, what <laughs> happened was um, I I'm just pulling this right from from memory because I was on the I was on the ground floor of secondhand information. So this was going down. Um, so I don't know any of the names in specific, but one of so this YouTube this video content creator, um, oh you know he opens MTG packs and he got one from his distributor, um, knowingly or unknowingly, uh, probably more knowingly of uh, the uh, aftermath set, which is the mini epilogue set to Magic fifty Gatherers. cards with five cards a pack. That's one third the cards, but it's the same price. Thank you, thank you, wizards. Um, you know, it only clears things up more. This is a whole other. It's a, 
you could just put this on the pile of my gripes <laughs> about magic product uh, uh, output in recent years. Um, but that's not what this story is about because uh, he leaked the whole set. Because, again, it's a little tiny set, and we I got to see them all. I got to see all those cards, <laughs> and as did many people on the Internet. And then he was promptly uh, promptly paid a visit <laughs> by, uh, by a couple of gentlemen <laughs> who would be very, you know, it would be a real problem if he, uh, if he held on to those because those are really company property. It would be a shame uh, if you were to suffer an unfortunate accident where you did not send those cards back. That's right. Um, this this content creator was visited and uh, shaken down essentially by the honest to god Pinkertons. Um, we knew. I feel like we've talked about them on this podcast before that they still exist in a, an official capacity. Yeah. Um, but for many people, they were like, "Oh, you mean the the bad guys, the cartoonishly evil bad guys from Red Dead Redemption Two, are still alive and kicking as a company?" Yeah, and doing exactly what they what they did before. Oh, oh, that's heartening. Well, I mean, this is a bit of a departure from union busting. Yes, um, I guess they are. They are firmly in the PI business now, um, and private security. Yeah, um, private security, aka uh, mercenary. <laughs> yes, um, and again, kind of what people got to the bottom of with this was that uh, it wasn't in particular about this one content creator, this one dude, because uh, people leak stuff all the time. Yeah, I mean, and Wizards themselves there. spoils cards ahead of the release of the set. Right. This was, And this is, uh, it's set to be released in two weeks, so it's not even a huge uh, lead-up. Um, yeah, typically issue, it's set spoiled by now. Yeah. Um, the issue that Wizards took umbrage with um and decided to take it instead of legal action uh that was the distributor because he had to get it from somewhere so they wanted to track it down get the <laughs> any packaging information they could probably find anything that could trace them back to the distributor that provided these products ahead of schedule um and then sue the shit out of them so um while in the end this was a a rook takes pawn kind of scenario. Um, it still is still freaked everyone the fuck out. Yeah, like I mean, it it sets a very very bad looking precedent where if you do something to displease wizards, they will send their fucking goon squad after you. The and literal actual goon squad. Threaten violence against you and and people close to you. Like yes. I mean, that's. Would they do that? I mean, they just sent the Pinkertons in in this situation. It's hard for me to imagine where they're going to draw the line. Um, they've already crossed where I would have drawn the line. <laughs> um, like, yeah. threaten a lawsuit or something, but don't, like, send fucking goons in. <laughs> right. Or, or, if you, or actually sue them if you're really going to do it so that all the information and the uh, the evidence, which in this case would be the card packs, could come out in Discovery, and then you could use that to get to the uh, distributor if that's your end goal. But again, this the methodology here um, is just uncouth, 
um, and like intimidating. How does someone in like Wizards or Hasbro's PR department like approve or like how does that like people are gonna yeah. find out? Like a hundred percent, people are gonna find out, and it's it's the worst possible look for your company. How did how did anyone higher up? Like it must have been like someone really high up in the company had a wild hair up their ass and was like, "Do it," despite everyone beneath him warning him what a terrible idea it was. He pushed it through. Yeah, I want to know, like, because so I. Part of my part of what I do on the daily, uh, in my day job, is buy things. I buy things um, from companies, and um, you know, to buy the specific things I want, I, I send them little friendly emails. Be like, hey, I'd like to buy this, and I have a little list, and and they get it for me um, because it's not retail, so you don't just have to pick it off the shelf. But I digress. Um, I want to know about the dude who had to send the email to send the hit out on the fucking on the guy. Like, what's that email look like? Yeah, like, like, um, how do you contract their services? Like, what did you have? Like, yeah, do you have to cold call them and like talk to customer service at Securitas? <laughs> do they have a like, sales department? Like, why? so if you're calling about placing a hit, press one. <laughs> if you'd like to seek our our. Uh, Phone directory or our audio directory, please press two. Para continuar like en español, <laughs> presar <a> número tres. <laughs> Fucking exactly. Um, that's going to be a fun invoice. <laughs> Can you explain this $300,000 expenditure here listed on the miscellaneous business expenses? <laughs> the. I want. I really hope the line item just reads requisitions. <laughs> Guess that's one way to put it. And with the the next item line is uh, clean fee. <laughs> Cleaners. It's like you you want this done dirty or clean. Like, <laughs> I want them alive. All right, this is gonna cost you extra. Um. Yeah. So this comes also on the heels of. A generously tone deaf response to D and D fans for D and D Beyond kind of eliminating the possibility of or really clamping down on content creator uh, rights or uh, you know um, ability to create their content for D and D. There was a pro, there's a, pro, a, pro, a protest and a boycott of D and D products. Um, and this, and that comes itself on the heels of the Magic Thirty. Um, yeah, w- Wizards has been taking L's all over the place, like except for the past the, couple years. Yeah, except in the one place where the board cares about, which is money, because they also uh, reported a sixteen percent profit uh, year to year from last year, sixteen percent increase in profits. Um, which I mean is to be expected. They're they're pushing that shit, right? It's they're they're milking the cash cow the, for everything they can right now. Yeah, prices go up and the volume goes up, and people feel pressured to buy products they might otherwise not, 
and there's always the whales out there that'll buy whatever. So if you put out more stuff, you'll sell more stuff. Right. I don't. So I don't think anyone can deny that short term, this is an effective money making strategy for wizards. Um, the obvious questions are whether it's good for the long term health of the game, good for the long term health of wizards, and does this is this going to create waves in policy with regards to the relationship between game making companies and game playing players. Um, yeah. I heard an anecdote that was. Um, the uh, War, Warhammer 40k one of the one of the minis got leaked one of, so someone painted on it he painted it up and he showed it on a show and they um, they like kind of just rolled with it Games Workshop rolled with it they're like hey good paint job you know the the our their new character must have been so excited that he <laughs> he got out here early it's like boom um, and this isn't again this isn't the first time this happened with wizards with cards. Um, the last time it happened on this scale was the God Book for Theros, I believe. Um, let me see which set the God Book was, right. um, where an entire <clears throat> large set got leaked. So yeah, while well, he's doing that, like obviously there is there is uh, rather the concern here is not so much for like Wizards as a company, but Wizards stewards. Uh, games that are very important to people. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering probably uh, as much as if not more than any other tabletop game have huge communities built around them and people who like largely the game is their life. Um, so the concern is for the long-term health of these games because this is not uh, the behavior of a healthy company. Like, um, the the way they're increasing their profits is not sustainable. Um, yeah. You're not doing a lot to create new players in this game that are going to stick around for a long time. Right. Or you're creating it. Yeah, you're you get you reap what you sow, and what they're farming right now is. Um, it's a different kind of player base than we've been living with for the last 20, 25 years. Um, that God book, by the way, was for New Phyrexia. So the entirety of New Phyrexia got got leaked early. That was uh, a while ago. That was, yeah, that was several years ago at this point. Um, which was especially funny because they were one of the pre-release PR things was like it was going to be Mirrodin versus New Phyrexia and if Mirrodin won it would have been Mirrodin Pure and if New Phyrexia won it would have been New Phyrexia um, they obviously they never had any intention of doing Mirrodin Pure yeah. um, but they wanted to at least play that up a little bit um, like this was Legend of Five Rings or some shit um, but that's that's where Wizards is right now go buy their new secret layers one of which has an incomplete card, which they won't replace on that secret layer. You have to buy the next secret layer to get the completed art version of that card. Um, you know, just keep the hits coming, Wizards. Don't ever stop. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of shitty corporate dealings, um, we might be avoiding... We might, we might have gotten a win here. Uh, the ledger might be a little balanced. Uh, the Microsoft Activision deal is on life support and could very well fall th through 
because of the uh, British-based regulation committee's uh, concerns that the burgeoning cloud gaming market could be adversely affected by the merger of these two competing companies, um, which is a bit of a surprise because people largely expected this was going to uh, make achieve the requisite approvals for it to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little skeptical that this was going to get regulatory approval to go through. Yeah. Um, this is a yeah, it's a pretty high profile example, which we don't have a lot of in recent times of like pushback against big game corporations gobbling up other ones. Yeah, so. My my theory on this had been if more time had passed between Microsoft's acquisition of ZeniMax and their attempted acquisition of Activision, it probably would have had a better shot at going through. But they, like, right on the heels of each other, uh, acquired these two huge other companies in a competing space and i'm glad i'm not the only one who was like you need to fucking slow down man <laughs> yeah like there's microsoft has made a, a fair few blunders in their day um and this is just the, the latest um yeah they've done a lot of good stuff in recent years um at least like customer facing but um like in terms of broader implication type moves you know consolidation in a a creative space is never good uh just look at just look at all the studios that got acquired by ea you know like a lot of them are gone and the ones that are still around and yeah yeah absorbed hollowed out and discarded turned Um, into fifa machines yeah just like it's it i'm so, i'm happy that there's a good chance that this deal might not go through because i think and every time one of bad. these things one of these delay or these uh pushbacks happen um that is that it sets precedent yes which is very important in <laughs> countries with functional court systems uh not necessarily countries that house podcasters yeah <clears throat> oh, I'm um, saying it. <laughs> this ain't your mom's podcast. Uh, and with that, let's talk about Muddy Morphin Power Rangers once and always, once and forever. Oh yeah, once in once in a lifetime, once and again, and maybe later on, and you know we'll see how we feel. Um, yeah. So Kurt, let's just a quick prelude. You watched this right before the cast today, right? I did indeed. Um, um so you are fresh off of this. I am pretty um, fresh I off saw it of last it. night, but yeah, or two nights ago rather. But either way, yeah. Um, it's movie. a bit of a mixed bag for me. Um. There are there are obviously things in it that appear appeal to the Power Rangers fan in me. 
but I have I had an overwhelming feeling watching this of why bother? Right. Like it I it wasn't compelling enough to really justify its existence. And that sounds super harsh. And I'm not trying to say that this was like really bad, because it wasn't. It wasn't really bad. Um, it wasn't like notably good. It felt like a, you know, two-part special episode of whatever current Power Rangers season where the old Rangers come back for for one for another hurrah. Um and that's right. fine. But I I just if you're not going to do something with it and you're not going to get a large portion of the original cast back, mm. just why bother? What what what's did this have to be made? Was it that important that you put out something for the 30th anniversary, something in live action? Not, I don't know, maybe try your hand at an animated thing, like following yeah. the Boom Comics continuity. You, I feel like that idea. would like, fucking sell. Yeah. Like, I know Power Rangers is based on, it's all because of, you know, the Tokusatsu live action or the Super Sentai. Um, but this is it's not that it's it, it is now power rangers it is its own thing um and you can treat it as such but yeah. yeah no i agree with you that the big question is at the core of it is why like what was if was the 30th anniversary really the only driving force for this um because if so then it feels like a i don't know like a convention you know panel and i understand like a movie, which is a little harsh a 30-year uh, anniversary right. is a big deal. That's that's a heck of an accomplishment to be around and be culturally relevant for 30 years. We just talked about Magic, um, another company that in recent vintage, uh, or another property that in recent vintage celebrated its 30th-year anniversary. Um, I, I guess we'll, we'll just get right into it. Uh, there isn't a whole lot to, like, tiptoe around. Um, and, right. you know... that's. And that's so that's kind of part of it, which is plays both to and against it. Is that this is a one hour special, um, that is essentially a three part regular episode of the show. It feel it has that tone, it ha it plays out like that, um, yeah, to for better or for worse. And I feel like it could have been, it was flirting with some some ideas that would have been cool to see in a Power Rangers show because they're a little more grown up, um, you know, like dealing with loss and stuff like that and, you know, kind of the consequences of being a ranger, um, that sort of thing. And they, they really don't take the opportunities to delve more into that and they really don't, like really delve into anything it's it's similar to i agree with you when you mentioned this to me uh when i asked you about it on tuesday mm -hmm. um it is kind of similar to the mario bros movie where um there's not a lot of connective tissue between the different events um and set pieces uh, this this does have a far more like cohesive story arc and they do like there are characters that have an arc in this right. in the special um so i'm not trying to shun like like i said it's not bad right it's just right. not um great and 
and a lot of that falls pretty squarely. Uh, you know, I would say like 80, 75% of my, my gripes with this lie within the script. Um, and the other part of it lies within a few uh, lackluster performances, in my uh, my opinion. Um, the fighting and the effects are what I've come to expect from Power Rangers. They put they probably put their their TV show team on it. And so I got really go. excited. I'm going to jump to the end when yeah. when he says when they call in, we need dinosaur power. Um, I got really excited because for the first portion, like when the Zords are coming up. They used fucking miniatures, like in the original show. It was just yeah. in HD. I was like, "Oh my god, they're gonna use fucking minis and guys in suits!" But immediately, um, when they're running up, like not even, not even when they're making the Megazord or fighting, they switch to CG, and it is CG of a quality that is like on par to slightly worse than you would find in an episode of a modern Power Rangers series. There's just more of it. Like the, there's more ambitious fighting uh, between the Megazord and the giant monster. Kind of it, the fighting, the CG fighting just looked really awkward to me. No, I, I definitely agree on that one um, from an, like from a more objective standpoint. Uh, yeah, it's it. It was like, eh. it's kind of chunky, very shiny in that way that uh, uh, low low lower grade CGI is. Yeah. Um, and the only uh, addition it gave to it was that you could do a little more than a guy in a suit, um, at the cost of uh, a fair amount of natural movement or you know yeah. the the movement that a lot of the people who watch the original series. We're used to. Yeah. And, like, obviously you have the nostalgia um, factor to, to like, a guy in a suit doing it. But it was probably cheaper to just do it CG. And that's why they did it. Um, yeah. Like, I, I agree almost entirely with Peter's assessment uh, where the elements of this movie... Uh, or this movie's deficiencies largely lie within the script um, and uh, everything else is pretty much you know par for the course with Power Rangers with a lot of nice little uh, references for for longtime fans uh, thrown in there um, the script, it 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 disappoints me more than it frustrates me cuz like i touched on earlier it yeah. it kind of plays around with some ideas that are really good mm-hmm. but um it's so self-contained it's yeah and they don't they don't give any idea long enough to breathe like i really would have appreciated if this movie could have been like a feature length movie um, yes, and like I said, and I, we were talking about this on Tuesday. Just you could throw in a half another half an hour, easy. Oh, so easy! It, it, it w- soaked it up like a sponge. It wouldn't, yeah, like it would have been any effort at all, and it would have allowed the movie to breathe, and maybe explore some of these ideas of 
you know, that are maybe a little darker for Power Rangers or maybe have, you know, a more elaborate action scene or, you know, something like to kind of bulk up mm-hmm. the, the movie a bit. Um, but I, they were limited. I don't know if by creativity or budget or, or what have you, but they were kind of limited. Um, yeah. here's, here's the portion of the podcast where Kurt talks a lot about Power Rangers lore and why yeah. certain things don't necessarily make sense. Absolutely get into it. Um, with the, I'll also kind of add on here that because it's of its age there, I felt like there's a lot of cracks they had to kind of paste over. And I'm sure that contributed to some of the canonical, uh, head, you know, head bumping and, uh, train yeah. wrecking. Well, the the main train wreck might be too strong a word. Yeah, but. the the main concern that I think I highlighted when the trailer dropped is like, I know Mighty Morphin's the first; it's the thirtieth anniversary, um, and you want to make this movie. Uh, you gotta explain how the power coins still work, and they don't really explain how the power coins still work. Um, they explained why Rocky, Cat, and well, just Rocky and Cat can can um uh, I almost threw Aisha in there too, but she and Adam go fuck off in space for for reasons. Yeah, they're like, oh, we're over here on the other side of the galaxy. We can't help until the end of the movie. We can't show up to the end of the movie, and then we have a uh, a weirdly tense. Handshake with Zach and Adam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they've got unresolved beef over who was the better Black Ranger. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. Yeah. Um, um, and then Aisha, who uh, definitely. I feel like I don't like know moved on to other things. It looks like, yeah, like I it looks like she's got. Yeah, she's got like a, an office job and a couple kids and. And is very happy in life, um, <laughs> which is probably why she agreed to do this. Um, yeah. But yeah, like she was, she was one of the performances I kind of highlighted as like real, real iffy. She only had like two yeah, she lines. Didn't have that many lines. Um, and they weren't they weren't delivered uh, as excellently as I would have liked. Yeah. So. Um, to kind of shoot around the fact that they don't have many of the original Rangers. Um, no, I, okay, let me let me let me try to refocus this here. So, I was talking about Paralangers lore stuff. So, Paracoins shouldn't really work. Um, right. Zordon is gone you know like they 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 get this they get certain things like to a point where it's like okay yeah they they are aware of storyline issues that might crop up here like the explanation for rita coming back in being robotic in the context of power rangers continuity it works it's fine it's it's um it's fairly creative and i i was okay with it um you need to lay some more groundwork. When did when did Billy come back from Aquatar? Um like how did how did we we get to 
to this point because the movie starts in media res and you never really get an explanation of how we got to uh like this point in in everyone's life like i mean you obviously get the brief version of how rita came back and why billy and the other power rangers were there in the first place and you know you see rita kills trini which is a uh, almost unprecedented move in power rangers history but um, and they just throw it out in like the first minute so that the second minute they can establish that they can drop the news by accident to the daughter and then in the third minute they can cut to one year later so they can actually get started yeah and like uh it's just the fact that they there didn't seem to be any like scuffles or skirmishes in that year with Robo Rita seemed kind of weird to me um like they they immediately play her up as a friend like she fucking kills a ranger right like that's all right we're we're playing with fire now boys um but then she just go fucks off for a year <laughs> uh yeah doesn't try to, to capitalize on that momentum at all <laughs> they hit the they they literally hit the not literally but they hit the one year later button but yeah billy runs a company now and it's built on top of the command center I guess a rebuilt command center because the command center blows up at the end of my from Power Rangers. Uh, when the Zeo crystals under there and the fucking Power Rangers Zeo happens and the Machine Empire comes in and Rita and Zed fuck off to God knows where. Um, a lot, a lot happened on Earth since. Uh, yeah, the like last there's years. and there's been you know like a lot of Ranger teams on Earth sense then like are are yeah, we and- to understand that they all work in parallel with each other um are you taking shifts and they they acknowledge that there are these other ranger teams because they're collecting rangers from across i don't know across the galaxy or just on earth uh, across the galaxy makes a lot more sense with some of the people that were were in there we're but there, they've yeah. got you know they've got you know, three rangers from Lost Galaxy, a couple from Wild Force, I think from the the Cyber or the Beast Morphers one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were I uh, uh, in space, Zeo. Um, I checked, I paused it, and I looked, um, and they did do a good job of not including a ranger who was actually someone else who would who would have been in the show. Like, okay, no doubles. There were no overlaps, uh, and I was okay. curious to see if they would be able to pull that off. Very good job. Props to you, continuity editor. And not even like any like arguable ones. Like you could have had Turbo Green in there and been like, wait, that was Adam, but no, it was also Carlos. So uh, you know, you could make the argument that it was or wasn't. But no, they just had in space black. So you know, that's Carlos rip carlos you got miniaturized whoops um Uh, yeah the and the plot's a classic again it's a classic power rangers plot steal the rangers power to power a time machine so you can like subvert the whole you know yeah uh, series give a lot of advice to your younger self um and change history um but that's the that's just the plot that kind of happens as as you do uh, the story beat is um, Billy's guilt over 
having caused this event in the first place and his feelings of responsibility towards Min Kwan, uh, Trini's daughter. All right, let's talk about Min here. Uh, Min is an all right character. Uh, the actress yeah. gives a pretty uneven performance. There are certain scenes in which she is pretty good, and then there are certain scenes where it's like, I don't know about, about that. Mm-hmm. I feel like... a. D- in in the hands of a good director, she could be doing really well. Like someone who would who could see and go, wait, let's get another take of this. I think she could be good. Like it. I mean, she's young. Obviously, she's got more acting lessons and training in her future. Mm-hmm. Um, so or in like learning on the job stuff. So I I'm I'm sure she could easily be in a like upcoming season of power rangers right as a callback character yeah it feels weird that she's like the only teenager in this movie especially again as we established there are other ranger forces it at working at the same time on this planet so i think it would be a missed opportunity and i i'm sure you would agree if she wasn't like at at some level included in yeah, uh, I I, I think it makes sense to include her in like the next season, like whichever one you're shooting next, because um, you know it, it'll tie in conceivably to this special, and um, you know they love it's the thirty. It would be the thirtieth anniversary season, right? So you want to have a callback or two to yeah. the original MMRP, and her character would serve that function um so min the fucked up thing about min here is um well her mom dies and i guess they imply the implication (laughs) that she just had her mom means that like trini got knocked up out of wedlock which yeah does not really seem like something her character would do (laughs) they're all they're all very wholesome individuals Something went really wrong, if that if that's how that ended up. Yeah. Um, not not to say that single parenthood is wrong. That's not what I'm saying. No. But these all seem like the very the easy the wholesome, you know. Make uh, good life choices. Living. Yeah. Yeah. Like what Zach turned he he's a fucking congressman at this point, right? Or he he was at one point. I don't know if he was still serving. Um, right. I think they kind of imply that cover for ranger activity. Yeah. Um, which implies that they've been operating as rangers this whole time, which we fucking know that they didn't because there's there's a bunch of seasons of Power Rangers that follow a f- continuity through line in which there are no more Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and no more dinosaurs yeah. and even no more Thunderzords. And- <laughs> Oh fuck! If Min comes back, they—I feel like they gotta at least try and address that. Yeah, that would be a real, a real nasty kind of loose thread if they don't do something about that. Or maybe they just say this is like half can. Well, this is half canon. Yeah, and like with with a show, I can see them pulling the "Who cares" card, and that's a reasonable response because um, passionate as our older Power Rangers fans are. Um, I know I certainly don't watch every new season of Power Rangers as it airs. Um, yeah. That's more for the kiddos who would not be alive to care about any of the things that I'm I'm mad about here. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but for this, 
Like, you're, it's the 30th anniversary. You're plastering that everywhere. You're reminding all of us how fucking old we are. And, um, yes. And it, we're the type of people who are going to care about that shit. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah. So, a lot of this movie, as a result, becomes, um, uh, Billy and, and Min interacting and, and with Zach there, too. And I have to, this is where I have to say it. Um, I, I, wasn't I wasn't about David Yost's uh, delivery in this in this movie. I felt um, he gave it kind of a, a lackluster or a low, very low energy uh, kind of performance. So in terms of just the again the delivery of his lines. Yeah, um, I I did receive that critique from you uh, earlier, so I was on the lookout for it. Um, my take on it isn't so much um, like he he gave a low energy performance or his heart wasn't in it. I think he was trying to portray somber and he's not a very good actor. That could also be. Um, that was my read on it. It didn't bug me as much as you, Peter, because I think yeah, I saw what he was trying to do. And I'm like, okay, that's a reasonable facsimile of being sad and guilt struck. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just it came off. Uh, it, it, it was one of the things that really kind of threw me about this. Uh, um, other small nitpick: um, you're really not going to call it Ernie's Juice Bar. Like, I understand Ernie has passed. The actor who played Ernie has passed. Um, and they even reference him. Yeah, but like, you can't call it Ernie's juice bar in in memoriam like the yeah. the longtime proprietor of the space which has remained uh and to to their to their 90s. comment unchanged for 30 years yeah <laughs> except they take a whole a dig at their own like budget cuz they're like maybe it's smaller implying that the set is smaller <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah, so a lot of it is just those three: um, Zach, Billy, Ben. Um, yeah, they're, you're the they're the three central the characters. So they do the yeah they do the Spider Verse thing where you have three central characters in a narrative with many more characters, and you kind of focus on their arc. But the thing with Min for me is it's not so much with Min herself; it's with the sequence of events. So Trini gets killed. And they go to deliver the news um, when she just walks in, I guess, hears the news. Um, it's like a comedy beat. They go one year later, and the mailbox goes from Quan to Quan and Taylor. So not only did Zach somehow become the guardian of this child, um, despite, like, I don't know, other family, uh, a godparent is traditionally uh, the guardian in the event of the death of the parents, I feel um, like we've had episodes with with Trini's family. Yeah, um, I I can almost guarantee it. And uh, not only does he become her guardian, he moves into Trini's house. Like she, he got yeah. the house too. Like, <laughs> is he the baby daddy? Like, why, why was he taken care of so generously in Trini's will? Yeah, I I got. No clue on that one. Um, I know I know no one else uh put that much thought into it. 
but I did, and I demand answers and satisfaction. You, they just they just say, "Oh no, she's he's taking care of her now. He's here's her parent." Uh, I have so spent have ample money drama. Yeah, I have spent ample money on Heroes of the Grid and other Power Rangers licensed products, uh, including recently spending nearly three hundred dollars on <laughs> hardcover trade paperbacks of Power Rangers Boom Comics. Like Power Rangers, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so notable things. Um, their first scene is their fight, their next fight with with Rita um, at the at the, the one-year anniversary of the funeral. And, the, like, so her two minions this time are Minotaur and Lizard. Uh, Snizzard? Yeah, which are Sci- are ones they have brought back. Right. But roboticized, um, like not really memorable or iconic ones. No. Pretty just like, like you're not even gonna bring back Goldar. You're not gonna bring back Finster. You're not gonna even touch Scorpina. Yeah, like, like and even like of like non-general villains, like um, you're not gonna fucking bring a pumpkin wrapper or. Um, you know, yeah, the, many of the other well-known uh, early season closest, villains. Yeah, the closest they get is Shell Shock as like a reference of how zany some of the old villains were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's the fighting in the graveyard, and there's a like a Harvey Garvey reference, which I think was like the actor who played Ninja or something. Uh, let me look that up. I did. I saw the the name on the tombstone, and I assumed it was like a producer. That's, that's got to be like a reference, yeah. Yeah. I saw that in the comments that it was something like that. One, of, maybe one of the uh, actors. Harvey Garvey. Um, was the host of a televised talk show, The Harvey Garvey Show, who only appeared oh. in the season two episode "Lights, Camera, Action." So that's a deep-ass cut. Yeah. And I think he was, I think that was an also an actual, was that an actual show that might have like, because I feel like I heard, I read some comments where like he helped put MMPR on the map. Um, Lights, camera, uh, action like, was originally mentioned. Publicized it. It's almost entirely sway footage with an Air Forever Friends. Um, well, when I look up Harvey Garvey, uh, Ranger Wiki is the first hit. So I okay. assume so maybe it's just that. it's just a character on the show. Yeah, weird weird cut, but there it is. Um, yeah, so they a lot of the the runtime of this afterwards is they 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 what, what's, what's the name of the protocol? Dendora. Uh, Pandora, Pandora, I think Pandora, something like that. Um, where all the rangers on Earth are called in to deal with putties everywhere, um, and. Meanwhile, the uh, okay, the min- uh, interjection with Power Rangers lore and uh, inconsistencies. Yeah. Okay, so these are Rita putties. They're not Zed putties. They don't turn into rocks when you defeat them. They they kind of like get all they they like revert to looking more like clay and they just kind of like evaporate. Okay, they don't turn to fucking pebbles. Uh, the Zed putties, if you hit them the Z, kind of break apart. Uh, also. Since when were putties a fret level that you needed to morph for? 
um, I guess in like some of these quantities, it was a reasonable thing, but there are also scenes where there's like three putties and I, you know, can see in my head, Tommy just doing his fucking spin kick, uh, throwing his backpack yeah. at them, doing all kinds of, you know, high school hijinks. Cause we hired martial artists to be actors in our show and we want to get our money's worth. And yeah. And part of that was they wrote, they wrote that into the show as like, you need to, as one of the principles of being a ranger, was like proper power escalation. Like, yeah. you don't, if you don't need to morph, don't do it. Which I guess maybe you want to say they're all over the hill and they need to morph. Yeah. <laughs> but at least make um, a joke about that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the other thing that plays into it is that this is bait so that they their power signatures can be tracked by Minotaur. And then they can be uh, have their energy stolen by Snizzard. Um, so they have to unmorph for a little bit. Yeah. Until they can bait, they bait the trap, which is the crane magnet, to hold the two rope you know, minions in place while they go to Rita's moon palace to confront her and save their friends. And while they're out, <laughs> they have they have one shot. <laughs> invisibility capsules <laughs> that that happens um and trini or not trini uh min is like trying to be her own she she's trying to fill the shoes and be the yellow ranger um so there's like a scene with where she's driving around the red bug and <laughs> commits particular man uh putt slot maybe putt slaughter <laughs> put slaughter yeah there you go um and she so, but she sneaks out and she she does she a dumb baby face syndrome where she uh, unhooks or unlatches the uh, the minions so she can like fight them right Did no I, I think no she actually doesn't do anything wrong I she goes to to fight them I guess despite uh, getting a talk about how revenge is wrong uh, she how, she just ignores yeah, that how, lesson entirely um, and goes to seek yep. revenge and and so doing well actually she didn't do anything wrong really oh, yeah, no. rita just shows up and and apprehends her yeah yeah because she she leaves the safety of yeah she leaves the safety the of the center. command center that's that's her like her sin like she she if she had stayed with alpha it would have been fine they would have been able to sabotage the machine in time well maybe not but who knows uh they wouldn't have had her as a hostage not that that was super relevant because she gets released almost immediately gets hit with has has the old Bible block the bullet thing with the morpher, which charges the morpher. I think that would have her. been like an interesting idea if like the the idea was like she was stealing energy from the morphing grid, so like a shot from her blast would like restore the morpher's connection yeah. to the grid. Uh, but I'm a better writer and care more than anyone who worked on this movie, so uh, yeah. fuck me, I guess. Um. Then she, yeah, so she, uh, Min morphs and meets Trini on the astral plane, <laughs> yeah. uh, off screen. Um, they don't, they just show a, a, you know, they show a montage of Trini action, which is fine. Um, well, they show it in her eye. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is the thing. It's like, you, you know, you, you, you don't I don't, I don't think that's how that works. And they don't mirror it either which kind of bugged me a little bit like if you're gonna do this at least do it properly <laughs> yeah fuck 
So this just because we would be looks... seeing a reflection in her eye because your eyes don't play video streams outwardly facing when you're remembering something. <laughs> That's not how sight or memory or any of this works. And it, that is that is a, one especially egregious piece of cinematography. <laughs> like, yes, we'll, fr- we'll frame it like this. That is what good, bad cinematography looks like. For a solid 15 seconds. I'm um, sure it sounds cool on paper. Um, but when you got the first pass at that, you should have been like, nah, dog, let's do like misty watercolor memories like we always do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that would have been a good throwback. Um, but anyways, they all get back there and I'll talk quickly about the fights, especially with, uh, the, the, uh, he, you know, the, uh, actor actors, not the, not the stunt actors. The advanced um, age of the, uh. Yes. The cast. Uh, I think I think uh, Walter Jones does best with it. Yeah, um, he's he's kept himself in pretty good shape, and he he definitely looks the most like his younger self out of all of them. Uh, David Yost looks a lot like um, Glenn Howerton in the later seasons of Always Sunny. <laughs> yes. Um, yep. Like it's I I guess that's just been him for for uh, his adult life, but I'm like I just like open your eyes, David. <laughs> um, yeah, Cat looks all right. She's she's definitely a mom now. Um, she looks mm. like she she goes to work nine to five every day. <laughs> yep. Uh, and it, they and Steve Cardenas, they, he let himself go a little bit. <laughs> and at least they play a joke with that. Because he warps in and he's got he's got his Chinese and it's out. it's really ridiculous when he morphs into the Red Ranger and his gut yes. just vanishes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's definitely Steve under there. Man, that morphing grid real powerful. Man, that that picks you up real nice. <laughs> um, yeah, and so he. But that being said, uh, the the stunt choreographers. I think did a pretty pretty fine job with like shooting it and making it you know at least <laughs> making it so they they don't look it it's not out in the open. Yeah, I think by the standards um, of Power Ranger action, this is pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, I I already li- listed aired my grievances with the uh, the Zord fight, but yeah, uh, Sesslovy. <laughs> like they don't do a climax move. Am I correct in that? They just sort of slash. Um, it. they do. So that's supposed to be like the big power sword. They do a much more dramatic version in the show, like where there's, like I think lightning flashing in the background yes. as he swings yes. it. As he's he as he brandishes it, it gathers power. Yeah, and then he slashes it across the screen. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's all coming back now because it's iconic. Yeah. Um. um and they didn't really do that. My other gripe with like when they do the Megazord transformation, they they did it too quick. You don't need to be in a hurry, guys. Let it breathe. Let yeah. Let the torso slowly come up. Let the head slowly extend and close the thing. Let the pterodactyl chest plate slowly come in and attach. You're building hype. Like you have no limit placed on your runtime. Fucking give 
the fans the full package. Like they do that in the TV show when they're trying to waste time. Just yeah, give us the whole Just get in the mindset run up. You're trying to burn as much airtime as you can. Like you can have the Megazord format calling the Zords and making the Megazord literally has taken five minutes of an 18 minute episode of Power Rangers. I've seen it. I've seen it more than once. I know what I'm looking for. Give it to me. I'm your target audience. This is what I want. <laughs> it's like, and it's literally the easiest thing because it, <laughs> it's, it's the whole point of it was that it's already all prepared. Look, you don't even have to fucking do anything new. <laughs> you could literally just onto the time literally line. just crop in in four by three. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking footage from the an episode of Power Rangers. I'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's go. As and long then, as you're playing Goku Power Rangers over top of it, I don't give a shit. <laughs> you want to make it artsy and cool? You drop in that four by three footage and you put in like a stock Adobe transition of pulling out to the wide widescreen aspect ratio as the transformation finishes, and your audience will fucking cream themselves. And they kind of like... did that at the end because yeah. at the end of the movie. Um, in place of credits, or I guess as the credits, they do mm-hmm. an intro sequence um, from an episode of Power Rangers with you know everyone in there, and they show like their younger selves and then what they look like now. Um, and uh, you could have done that exact fucking thing in your movie uh, <laughs> mere moments ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know why you didn't. Would have been cooler if you did. (laughs) These are the grand slams that you can hit. Um, Um, But anyways, they fight her. They they save the day. They save the day. uh, Kind of execution style. I do actually. I want to. I want to point out um, a thing that I I enjoyed. But I also want to point out. We might be pointing out the same thing. Uh, Rita is in top form. Oh no, Barbara Gordon was was great. Um, But I did like. When they show Min training, um, she is using Eskrima sticks as she would yes. be getting the daggers uh, later on. And it's the same sort of weapon. Uh, but yeah, uh, they bust through, they bust in, up into the palace and she throws her daggers and she like pins Rita to the wall. And then Zach just fucking murders her in cold blood. <laughs> <laughs> through the fucking back. Like shoots her execution style. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's kind of metal. Uh. Good job. Absolutely. Um, and that's how they win the day. And then um, they all kind of they all shake hands. Good job. Yeah. Thanks for rangering today. Uh, um, you know, they they part ways. We cats like literally. I have to get back to my kids. Thanks for having me over. Yeah. Um, we we talked already about the kind of weird handshake between Adam and uh, Zach. Um, yep. And then Aisha's like, I'm glad the saber-toothed tiger legacy's in good hands, which at least, you know, they pay lip service to uh, the fact that she was also the Yellow Ranger once, which they really, other than the fact that, like, the ones in the movie, obviously, they acknowledge that they were, at one point, uh, those rangers. But they don't really talk a lot about how Adam and Aisha were also rangers, or, like, why it was... Jason and Kimberly. Well, I guess Kimberly. No, yeah, Kimberly left late, but later. Um, wait a second. Wait, 
No, yes, Catherine was in season three. I was like, was she even in <laughs> Mighty Morphin? <laughs> yes, she was. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, um, like that's that's another gripe. No mention yeah. of like Zio, and uh, although I I guess <clears throat> Zio Yellow being the one that got nabbed is appropriate because everyone else is in this movie that was a Zia Ranger. Except for yeah. except for Austin St. John. Uh yeah. or Jason. Whatever. Um, I will say so quickly before we talk about the ending ending. Um I my my brother and sister, they were they were they were the prime target audience, right? They were mm-hmm. their kids when it was running. Um, so they were kinda hyped and I was like I I, I was talking with them and I was like I don't know, man. It's a little late. There's a lot of folks who aren't going to be able to be in this. And they're like accusing me of harshing their mellow. <laughs> but like when, if they see this, I feel like they're going to be like, who's Rocky cat. Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing. Like a lot of the, you're filling in with who you have. I get that. And you want to acknowledge that you know, the contribution that they made to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers because, you know, while they're not as universally known as the OG Rangers, um, you know, they're still part of that show's history and legacy, so they should be in there. However, um, when you start catering to, like, season two and season three of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, when, you know, the show's ratings... You know, they 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 peaked. It was a, a phenomenon for like a year. That first season was 60 episodes. So it probably aired over the course of like a year and a half um, or like the entire year. Uh, if you do a new episode every week. Yep. Um, like iconic. Yes. People are going to remember that. Not a lot of people went went further down. So you bring in Rocky, bring in Cat. You're going to lose some of the more casual folks there. And at the same time, you're going to bring in the hardcores and the hardcores are going to have some expectations that you're not intending to meet. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's the paradox. That's the catch 22, as you said at the beginning. And um, as I said, the trailer, like I pointed that out. I'm like, I don't know how you reconcile, uh, these two groups of people in a way where everyone comes out. I'm sure there's a way to do it. Uh, but unfortunately I think the chances of it being done satisfying died with JDF. Um, and I think with that, we should probably talk about the, the last part of the segment, which, um, I, I really liked, I mean, how could you not? Yeah. I mean, I mean, in terms of, that's the most um, nostalgic, uh part of this movie honestly yeah um, um so it's it after all this and they you know after the last scene which um they reminisce about you know rangerhood and um adventures ahead of them uh it cut it fades out fades back in as a scene from mmpr of the whole gang sitting in ernie's bar as um kimberly amy yeah, Kimberly, as she plays her guitar and plays a song, and everyone's sitting around. And Zach, um, yeah, they're all smiling. They're having a good time, uh, living life. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, 
after that they fade out and they put up the uh the memoriams for uh JDF and the actress who played Trini. Uh Tui. Yeah, I I I uh, I I can I could like write out her name, um, but I don't I don't know how to pronounce it properly, so yeah. I wasn't gonna gonna besmirch her her good name there. Um, but yeah, that 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 part was was a nice bit of nostalgia and and it uh, I mean obviously it had to be there yeah um, and they did it as you as you'd want to do it yeah it was it was a pretty tasteful way to to acknowledge. Uh, those who weren't there either by choice or not by choice. Um, so, yeah. Uh, to to sum it up, if you are a hardcore Power Rangers fan, um, you will probably enjoy this on some level. It's not like the best thing ever. There are several story arcs in the show that were more compelling. Um, but it is Power Rangers action in the the highest production you've ever seen it. Um, you know, this is a 4K HDR movie with Dolby Atmos sound. It it has it has a lot of bells and whistles, but it also maybe didn't do some of the older cast members any favors with having such a high resolution camera pointed very close to them. Um, yep. but if, if you want, if you want some mighty Morphin power Rangers action and you're not too hung up on the story, which is a totally valid thing to want and you will get it here. Uh, you'll enjoy it. Like I think at the, in a, in a way I enjoyed this. Um, you know, it didn't, it wasn't a chore to watch. Um, and it's, it's, it's not something I'd watch again. Um, and it's not something I like heartily recommend, especially if you're not someone who already is invested in Power Rangers. Um, but it's there, you can watch it and you probably won't hate it. Yeah, it 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 falls into what I like to call anniversary content or reunion content, where they'll make it as a special event, see everyone coming back, um, and that's the main driver of it. Um, and you know, if it's the end of a series, that's that's huge. But a lot of times, these are for series that will are gonna keep going. So this will kind of it'll find its place on the shelf. And maybe yeah. you go back and watch it, but um, it's there so that you did it. If you if you're really craving thirtieth anniversary Power Rangers nostalgia stuff, I think there's there's perhaps more satisfying fixes to it. Like um, I think they did a. Uh, well, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is on Netflix. So, like, if you want to actually watch that for your nostalgia purposes, it, it's there for you. Um, yeah. And and it might be high time that we check out another season. Well, see, they took most of them off Netflix. That's been the delay. Like, I, I wanted to do the next one we have on DACA is Lightspeed Rescue, which is special to me because that's, like, my first one that I remember watching all the way through. Um, 
but they they took all the seasons off of Netflix and it, they're surprisingly hard to find elsewhere. Um, they do they have a YouTube channel where they upload a lot of like full length episodes, um, but they're not well organized. So I'm, and I'm not sure if like all of Lightspeed Rescue is on there. If any of Lightspeed Rescue is on there, I didn't probe it too deeply. So mm-hmm. I'm working on it. As soon as I find a source, uh, we will begin begin the the previously annual <laughs> march yes. of watching a 30 plus episode season of Power Rangers in like two weeks. <laughs> Fucking cranking those out! Oh my lord! Um, yeah. But yes, I have not forgotten about that. It has not been a thing that I, I am sunsetting on the series. We, I want to get back to the annual or, or even more than annual, whatever we feel like it, uh, Power Rangers season reviews, because we're on the cusp of some good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I heard RPM was uh, pretty crazy. Um, I, I always mix up RPM and Operation Overdrive. I think I watched one episode of Operation Overdrive because it had uh like Rangers from past seasons in it and like just the theme song I was like ugh I don't know about this but no yeah we're on the we're we're on the cusp of Lightspeed Rescue I I might be a little bit biased by nostalgia but I think it's pretty okay pretty good uh Time Force is one of the better seasons uh Wild Force kind of sucks uh, but that's a while yet. Uh, Ninja Storm was okay. Or D- uh, Dino Thunder was pretty good, and then SPD was really good. Maybe that's why I was thinking of SPD. Yeah, SPD is really good. Uh, Time Force is also really good. Um, deals with a lot of those uncomfortable subjects that I was referencing earlier, like you know racism and poverty and shit like that. Um, but yeah, that's that's in the future. Uh, yep, that's the uh, where this concludes once and always. Yes, once and always. Once and always ends here. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, that's gonna do it for episode three sixty four of the Sounds of this podcast. Until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's nineteen ninety five. Peace. Bye bye now. Yeah. <laughs>